Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is Texas Tech back on track after a win last night against TCU and also on this edition of the Big 12 Watch, a weekend preview. It's all coming up today. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. Once again, this is the Big 12 Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. So uh, I will be dressed in a hoodie for the first part of this show. Second part, I recorded the game previews yesterday. We'll splice it all together. One thing is I'm waiting on my laptop to get back. We know Apple is repairing it, which is good news. So uh, the end part of my preview, the Iowa State and Kansas game, as well as the BYU-West Virginia game, was cut off. So I will be re-recording the previews for those games in this as well. So hopefully everything sounds somewhat continuity and it has some continuity. But if I am dressed in different clothes, that is why. Because the backup laptop, while it's been serviceable, while it's working hard, it's uh, essentially the Josh Dobbs of laptops. You don't want to have it, but you know what? It's trying its hardest. And hey, somebody traded for Josh Dobbs recently. So I guess there is some demand. I guess that means he's still serviceable. My laptop, the Josh Dobbs of laptops. Uh, All right. So let's talk about the game last night. Texas Tech TCU in a gotta have it type situation. You know, November, uh, that's kind of been the the title of this episode. It's like, you know, what's happening here in the Big 12 with these games. You go through the schedule, which we'll do here in a little bit, but like it's a gotta-have-it type month, whether that means to make the Big 12 championship game, whether it means for uh, Texas and Oklahoma to keep their college football playoff hopes alive, for TCU and Texas Tech, that means making a bowl game, right? They're fighting to just make a bowl game at this point in time. And so uh, 35-28 last night, the final. Baron Morton returns, and I think the spread was TCU minus three, or excuse me, Texas Tech minus three. I think that was the right number. Uh, I think the big question was, though, what version of Baron Morton were we going to see? And I mean that, the injury, actually not his quality of play, because I think he's a I think he's a relatively consistent player like at this point. If it makes some mistakes, yes, sure. But like he's at this point now, guys, he's 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. So, you know, he's he has really improved. The thing for him is, can he stay on the field? Now, the really good news was last night, they only ran him five times. And uh Taj Brooks got 31 carries. So good to see, obviously, them riding that situation. I have using stats on my phone here. It's what the phone's up. Um, but I thought he was really good. I think that's the story. I think the better quarterback uh, helped win this game. And I I thought that's why I was most impressed. And also Texas Tech run defense had a really good night. Uh, they were very, very strong. And Amani Bailey has been somebody 
that's one of the top rushers, not just in the conference, in the country. This conference has a bunch of really good rushers. He is one of them. And uh, a lot of these good rushers are also some of the best in the country when you look at some of the numbers. And Bailey last night, 19 carries, 57 yards, and two touchdowns. A lot was in the shoulders of Josh Hoover. And uh, he could have thrown a lot more interceptions than he did. I think I think one or two more at least got dropped. But he threw some bad picks. And here's my take on Josh Hoover. He's not good. I think he's going to be good. Um, got a loose arm. You know, um, is overthrowing some guys, right? And I felt like there was some frustration in the receiving core last night, but I thought generally he did not lose the guys. He did not lose the offense. And the defense actually did a good job there towards the end. I didn't think the play calling there was was great from Texas Tech uh, to finish things off. But they still had an opportunity to win that football game. And so Josh Hoover and the defense kept them in that thing enough to be there in the end and that last drive in the end, you know, he makes that just a terrible interception to end the game. Um, and he had a couple, you know, a couple of those last night. And so look, I think it's a work in progress. I think they should stick with him over, over, uh, um, I, I honestly do believe they're probably gonna go to the portal. I think there's a really good chance to go to the portal. Although I do think Josh Hoover's got a chance to be a good quarterback, whether that's at TCU or that's elsewhere. But if I'm TCU, man, you just uh, you went on a limb to, to go and get Garrett Riley. You obviously gave Sonny Dykes an extension, and you could see last night Sonny was not pleased. He was really animated. For a guy, a lot of the time, it's pretty cool, calm, and collected. He was pretty animated last night. And so, um, you know, they're going to have to make a, make a decision on that quarterback spot. Once again, I think Josh can be good. Uh, you know, as a fellow Josh, uh, I hope that Josh succeeds, but I think they'll probably go into the portal to go at least get somebody else. And I know they did uh, you know, try to bring in a guy like a Nolan, right? It hasn't really worked out for them, obviously. And Chandler Morris is, you know, is injuries and whatnot too. But uh, it just seems like also this team buys in a bit more with Hoover at the quarterback spot. I feel like they are, uh, you know, still have, like they can still hang with teams with him at quarterback. And it just feels like it's coming along for him, right? And he's still a freshman. So we have to give him a bit of a pass. For Texas Tech, man, they had to have this game, right? Think about them trying to make a bowl game. They are four and five now. They've got at KU, UCF, and Texas left. That is not an easy stretch. There'll be dogs at KU. There'll be dogs against uh, Texas on the road. And also to uh, UCF uh, at home, they should win that game. So that puts you, if you, if you count that one, uh, at five and five. We're going to spot them the UCF one. You're going to have to go win a road game, right? You're going to have to go either beat Texas or you're going to have to beat KU. Now, with Baron Morton in there, this gives them a chance. It gives them a chance to go and win some of those games, but still an uphill climb. But Joey McGuire and company, they did need this. That was a strong environment last night. A kind of an earliest, right? Six Central, kind of an earliest start time. The possum, the uh, opossum, possum, whatever the hell it was on the field. Right, but this was kind of a win that just settles things down a little bit. And look, I think for Joey, like this is a step back, but to me, winning is not linear. And I'm not going to say everything, you know, like I, I mean, linear is like it's not a straight, straight line, right? Um, progress a lot of times is not a straight line. And so when I think about like Texas, Texas has been one of those rare examples where progress under Sark was, in fact, you know, has been, in fact, a straight line, right? Uh, no matter what their record is this year. And I think they're approaching a point now where what are they? I mean, they've got seven, I think they're seven and one. 
So, yeah, progress, not linear most of the time. And I feel like Texas Tech is going through a bit of that. Um, I feel like Texas Tech at this juncture of the season or at this juncture of like the Joey McGuire thing, like, you know, Zach Hitley's running the ball much more effectively. And, and I think that he has learned that, you know, look, we can't just run the quarterbacks as much as we have. We need to protect our quarterbacks more because of the amount that they demand from their quarterbacks. And also the offensive line has been blocking well in the running game. And Taj Brooks has been, I mean, he's been around forever and Xavier White's been around forever. And these, so these guys who are these older experienced guys rely on them while your quarterback situation has been in flux due to injuries and consistency and quality. You are going to be able to ride them. And look, uh, I think Tyler Shuck's going to be done. I think, yeah, with injuries and whatnot, everything like he should be out of college after this season. So Baron Morton's your guy. Uh, don't run him as much. I think he only ran four or five times yesterday evening. And so you take that into consideration. Like this is more of what you want to see. Once again, it was dicey there at the end, but they get this win at home against TCU and they beat West Virginia or excuse me, they beat Baylor on the road. So that was kind of the two game stretch they have. Like they need to be a bit more consistent. And so, uh, you know, once again, tough schedule, tough road to hoe there down the back stretch for them. Uh, to make a bowl game, but trying to put some consistency together right now. And I know it's been difficult with the quarterback situation, but they're going to try and do it. And it seems like Morton got out of it unscathed, and it seems like the shoulder's doing pretty well. So good on Tech, good win for them, head in the right direction. TCU, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about TCU, to be honest. I think they're going to portal the hell out of this thing this year. If they suck again next year, the defense isn't improving. I mean, the one thing last night, the missed tackles, absolutely atrocious tackling from them. Both sides were not great tackling, but TCU, I think 20 plus missed tackles is what I saw. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not, not going to get the job done. Not going to do it. All right. Here comes my preview of, uh, most of the games coming up this weekend on the big 12 slate. Enjoy that. So here is what your schedule looks like a great big 12 Saturday menu. This is not a day, people, where you can go with the significant other or take the kids out. You get that done before 11 a.m. or you get it done after 9 because your ass needs to be on the couch. And in a lot of these windows, multiple screens. At 11 a.m., you only need one. On Fox, we've got Kansas State at number 7, Texas. The Longhorns are a four-point favorite. At 2.30 on ABC, it's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, Six-point favorite are the Sooners on ESPN Plus uh, at 2.30. We've got Houston at Baylor. Baylor four-point favorites there. 2.30 on FS1. It's UCF at Cincinnati. Six o'clock on ESPN. KU takes on Iowa State at Jack Trice Stadium. Two and a half points there. Also at six o'clock, we've got BYU at West Virginia. Uh, that one gets the upgrade to Fox at six because... And uh, congratulations to you, those of you out there who are Rangers fans. The Rangers won the World Series last night, so we are not going to a game number six. Uh, we will not be having a game seven either. And I think that would have been, let's see, travel schedule, skip Thursday. Yeah, Friday, Saturday, so that would have made it a game seven. So congrats to BYU in West Virginia. That's cool to see that matchups there. And I'm sure it's not the last time we're going to see different kind of varieties of matchups. Team from West Virginia play a team from Utah at that window at that time. So, folks, it's coming it's going to be okay. But I'll tell you what, it feels like November. You think about what is at stake this week, people. There is so much at stake on the big uh, for the Big 12 Conference. You go to the standings right now, uh, and I encourage you all to do that, you know, while, while if you can. 
while you're watching this, but there is a five-way tie, the much-talked-about five-way tie at the top of the Big 12. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State are all there at four and one. Kansas and uh, West Virginia are there at three and two. And then TCU, BYU, Texas Tech, Baylor are all two and three. Houston, one and four. UCF, 0 oh and five. Cincinnati, 0 oh and five as well. And six of those top seven match up this week. We begin at 11 a.m. on Fox. All right, so guys, this one's huge for a couple reasons. Obviously, uh, Texas, no Quinn Ewers. And so every single time they're stepping out there, they're essentially putting that national title hopes, those national title hopes on the line, right? Um, but not just national title for Texas. This is Big 12 title because we start to get into a tiebreak situation, right? Uh, Kansas State's 4-1 and one in the league. If they beat Texas and we were to come down to a Texas-K-State tiebreak situation, uh, Texas would need K-State to lose twice, uh, correct? Because if they have the same conference record, let's just say it's 6-3, and three, and I'm not saying that's what it's going to be, but let's just say it's 6-3 and three, or 7-2 and two in the league, then what do you need, right? Uh, what do you need if it's going to be six and uh, seven and three for each one of those teams, or excuse me, six and three for each one of those teams? Well, the head-to-head -head win, right? So Texas would need an extra loss. Same things go. Thing, same thing goes for K State, obviously as well too. What's on the line for K State? They are in the middle of a, I guess, kind of almost now like a surprising Big Twelve title defense right now. I mean, they, they are the defending champions, but. This Big 12 title defense got a lot more juice, a lot more life following, uh, you know, their last few weeks. Because after that Oklahoma State loss, you kind of looked at K-State and you said, well, they could rip it off. That, that's true. They could rip a few wins off. But like how much of this schedule can they get through unblemished the rest of the way? And what do we think the record will be of the teams in the Big 12 championship game? At that point, they had only one conference loss yet, so maybe you could spot one more, but they have not lost one yet, right? They have not lost one yet. Now, you know, if they're going to lose again, you want it to be a, to a team that you don't have a tiebreak with, um, but this is the big one right here for, the, for both these schools, I think. And so you look at this game. I, I'm wondering how much did Texas keep in the holster last week when it comes to what they're going to allow their new quarterback, Malik Murphy, to do, right? He is a big guy, uh, 6'5", 240, I think is what he's listed at, right? We've been told he can run, but they didn't run him a whole lot last week. So is this going to be more of a reliant on, uh, you know, Jonathan Brooks situation, or are they going to spread the ball around more, right? Uh, I think four points is a strong number. And I was listening to Cover 3 yesterday when they did their big game breakdown, and I think they hit a lot of really crucial points. Texas is a, is a lot better, it feels like, in the trenches, in the middle particularly, right? The, the tackles for K-State are really good. The middle of the offensive line, not quite as good. The interior of the Texas defensive line is mean as hell. And the one thing Texas has done this year is stop the run. So I think the reason why I believe Avery Johnson's important for Kansas State's success is they need to find some more dynamic ways to run the football, and he is a dynamic player. Even Kansas could not find ways to effectively rush the ball. The only player that has this year is Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma, and a lot of it was scrambling, some design, but a lot of scrambling was involved in that, right? So there's not been a whole lot of traditional rushing success against Texas. 
also in that pre, I mean, they basically said a lot of stuff I was, I was thinking about this week, but they also talked about, hey, the, the Texas secondary is the area where they can be had, right? The problem, though, that we've mentioned this, the Kansas State receiving core, it's not great. Like the, the whole threat of the K-State offense is the variety. The one big thing that last year's K-State team did so well was they could spread the ball all over the field and hurt you at basically every point of the field, right? That is what they could do to you. And so, uh, you know, this year, without obviously Deuce Vaughn in the backfield, uh, and, you know, without guys, I'm trying to remember the receivers they lost uh, last season, but losing the receivers they lost, Cade Warner, obviously a tight end, a big loss for them. And then Malik Knowles at wide receiver, a big loss for them. It's been a little bit more challenging, but the last couple of weeks, the rushing attack has come alive and the passing game has opened up a bit more. But you look at their passing attack and you'll actually find that this, this kind of bears fruit. Their leading receiver in terms of number of receptions is Phillip Brooks. Makes sense. He is a wide receiver. Their second one is Ben Sennett. Now, Ben Sennett is a tight end, right? H-back, tight end type player. Okay. Third is DJ Giddens. He is a running back. So your three top receiving guys, and this is not uncommon in college, but it's one's a tight end, one's a wide receiver, and one is a running back. So that variety is going to be key. You got to move the ball over Texas defense. You got to attack that secondary. Houston was able to do it. They found a lot of success there. Um, but I feel like K-State can't, maybe they can do it the same way. I and mean, Will Howard definitely good enough to do it the same way. But I think K-State really does want to be able to run the football. Like it, it opens everything up for them. And I think they want to keep, uh, you know, keep this Texas team off balance if they can. They also want to be able to, I think, limit the number of possessions in this game because, you know, you might want to try to bang it out too. Like, I guess you could go shot for shot, but it feels like against Texas that that doesn't really happen that often, right? You don't end up really going shot for shot with Texas unless you're Oklahoma. And that game, they did go shot for shot with them and ended up losing. But how, what other teams can really force that happening? And basically you say, all right, Malik Murphy, we need to make you execute, right? We need to make him be the guy if you're able to effectively stop the run, right? And I also think too, like the secondary is where K-State is weak uh, as well. And so they need to make sure that, hey, we, if you can stop Jonathan Brooks and, and hold that down, we know Texas is a team that can start hot. We saw that in their game against uh, against Houston. We know they are a fast, they can be a fast starting team. We know that game script from Sark is great. They can slow down some though. They can be had in that space. And so they need to make sure that uh, momentum, uh, they're able to kind of collect momentum. And, and look, I know it's not a real thing, but like, can you put some pressure on a guy? And look, BYU didn't do a bad job last week. Once again, it was a two score game in the fourth quarter and they for some turnovers and that can't happen against a guy like Malik Murphy. If you're giving me anything over a touchdown, I'm going to take it. So I'm going to take K-State plus the points in this game. Um, the one thing I am concerned about here, folks, is that Texas does have a physicality edge. They do. Now, this could be one of those games where, hey, look, man, the better program, just a little bit nastier, meaner in that spot. But like Texas is nasty and mean on the defensive line. Their offensive line, at least in my opinion, generally speaking, has been pretty good so far this season. And so I am concerned about that because last year, uh, Texas was able to go into K-State and they won that game and they were the more physical team, it felt like, for a majority of that game. And so this uh, this is, that that's like not where, that's where K-State normally wins and it feels like they don't have the advantage in that space. That's why I'm worried about them because I think this line is correct. I, I thought about it earlier in the week, like, man, could this thing come around two and a half to two, you know, could it be even go down that far? Um, I'm taking K-State plus the points, I think, 
but still like it's just a it's a tough proposition uh going on the road to dkr not impossible place to win but also too you're on the road against a team that did beat you last year and arguably beat a better version of you last year so i think they got a lot of confidence because of that 230 on abc it's oklahoma and oklahoma state bedlam is taking place uh, a little earlier this year right a little bit earlier in the season we are seeing uh this game take place and so Think about, all right, like what is, where is the advantage in this game? Well, the big story heading in, obviously, is the rivalry and the fact that it's going away. Uh, but, but I would tell you this too, the story in terms of players is there is a red hot running back on one side in Ollie Gordon, and there is a really uh, kind of, you know, petering rushing defense on the other side in Oklahoma. And what was this this week of, of practice like for the Sooners? My big concern is this, is if Oklahoma is able to shut down or at least limit Ollie Gordon, the rushing attack, is does, does that mean they've got uh, Oklahoma State dead to rights? Right? If Ollie Gordon does not get going, are we in a spot where it's like, oh my God, it's Alan Bowman now and they cannot get this thing rolling. So I think it's important early on and they did this against K-State, they did a really good job of this against Kansas State, to establish Alan Bowman's presence as a threat. Uh, you know, not saying running, but like just make sure that passing attack is there in the back of their minds, right? Make sure you are using your weapons on the outside and you are targeting those guys and getting after it. And then on the defensive side of things, the one uh, thing you're concerned about for Oklahoma State is this, is that they give up really a lot of really expos explosive passing plays, right? The There's an area where Oklahoma State struggles. It is their passing defense. It has not been a big, uh, you know, a, uh, it's, it's a bug, I would say, not a feature. Their passing defense is 12. Now, Oklahoma's is 11, so Alan Bowman might have some opportunities here, but Oklahoma State has allowed 17 passing touchdowns this season, and they're allowing 200. Uh, basically 39 yards a game against them. It's not, not a super high number, third worst in the league, but still like, you know, the average passing play against them goes for 7.9 yards, right? Average passing attempt. Uh, you know, the, besides Cincinnati and Houston, there has been no worse pass defense in the league this year when it comes to, you know, how many yards. Now, thing is for them, they do force some turnovers. They've got eight picks on the season. Right. Uh, and, and that is one area where they can, but they're going to need the star players to play well. They're going to need big games out of Martin. They're going to need big game out of Colin Oliver. Right. So you're going to need the stars to show up and you're going to need to get some pressure on Dylan Gabriel. I, I do think like Dylan Gabriel is a really good player. And I said, if I had to take one big 12 quarterback to lead a game winning drive, I would do it mostly because of how well he did in the biggest big 12 game of the season so far when he took Oklahoma right down the field and got the job done, but he didn't do it last week. And there are some moments where his size comes back to bite him in the ass, you know, bite the team in the ass. Cause he's not a big guy. It's easy to get paws up. Um, and you know, it's like he's made, you know, he's, he hasn't made mistakes. Like last week he was really late on that route that ends up being a pick six. Right, and I expect Oklahoma State's defense to be aggressive. They were aggressive against Kansas State, and they came up pretty golden in that game. I expect a similar approach from the Cowboys when it comes to this game this weekend. So my big concern is what happens when this game gets slowed down, uh, and what happens if Ollie Gordon gets slowed down. You're you're a little worried about that. Uh, is that the, is it the big key here? 
Um, but also too, you know, it's not like Dylan Gabriel and the passing attack are like gangbusters. They were not unbelievable last week either. It was the rushing attack for them that was really good. And can they get the rushing game going this week? Once again, uh, Oklahoma State's defense has not been fantastic. It's been good at times situationally. I feel like they've been a bit stronger. But Oklahoma's rushing attack has been hit or miss as well. Uh, I feel like that's an area who you know where Oklahoma is going to try to get after. And the rushing defense has been a little bit better, but as of late, it's been it's been suspect for the Sooners. So I think it's pretty simple. Like I think whoever runs the ball more effectively is going to do is going to win this game. Especially if Oklahoma runs the ball effectively, like they're going to have a pretty good day, I think. Uh, and they ran somewhat effectively last week and didn't have a great day. But like if they run the ball somewhat effectively, you know, I expect the passing game to be going too. I know no Andrew Anthony. Uh, but if Oklahoma can get that rushing attack going, I think that'll get them back on track. Although I will say this, I'll take Oklahoma State plus the points at home for sure. Uh, if you're giving me that many points in a rivalry game, I will take the home team. I will gobble up the points. Um, but I, I do think Alan Bowman's going to be called upon. And what does he look like? He's a veteran man. So like, I think there's an idea of, hey, if it's ever time to rise to an occasion, today is the day. I think that could be a storyline this week. 2.30 on ESPN Plus, it's Houston and Baylor. I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. Um, you know, one of those, they say, loser leaves town matches, I guess you would say, because the loser of this game, good luck making a bowl game if you do. If you look at where these teams are currently positioned, uh, Baylor is 3-5, and five. Houston is 3-5, and 4-5 and five keeps you in the mix for a bowl game right now. Baylor's schedule is very difficult. I don't think they're going to make it, so they obviously have to. And then for Houston, you've got Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State comes to you, both those schools do, and at UCF. So you need this one, and you need two of your last three, which is not easy, but somewhat doable. Yeah, basically, whoever loses this game, you can kiss a bowl hope uh, goodbye. I mean, man, I know, I know Houston got crushed last week, but if Donovan Smith shows up the way that he has in a couple of the last games they've played – uh, they're going to be, they could be in, in for a nice big day, but that's the big thing, guys. Baylor's Baylor's not been very good at home. So I'm almost taking another underdog here. I'm almost taking Cincinnati is what I'm thinking. Uh, but Houston teams are incredibly difficult to get a read on Two thirty on FS one. It's Cincinnati and uh, UCF Cincinnati, three and a half point favorites. You all know my policy. Uh, do not give me points. Uh, or, you know, do not have me laying small lines against Emory Jones. I like UCF in this game. Um, you know, I think it's almost time for them to, to kind of turn the corner here just a touch. And I would lay anything under a touchdown. And I think they're due for their first win. And Cincinnati is kind of a dumpster fire. But this this is a stay away betting wise, I, I think, in some in some ways, if the line increases. Normally, I'll bet this. and I probably will bet it if it's anything under a touchdown. But I could see myself uh, staying away if it stays lower another one of those games though especially i mean cincinnati needs to win to make a bowl game that went out right ucf's three and five their stretch for them the rest of the way is uh oklahoma state at texas tech and houston so it's not easy for them they need to go three and one but if they get one here it feels a lot more doable going to a bowl game and we're hoping that one of these schools can do it the new schools all right, two games left here. Number 21, Kansas at Iowa State. Iowa State, two and a half point favorites here at home. Just once again, this needs to be an appreciation of Matt Campbell. The ninth game of the season for Iowa State. They have a chance 
to become bowl eligible. And look, I'm not sure they're going to end up uh, going to a bowl game if they don't like they need to win this game pretty badly. I think it's really uh, it's a huge game for them because they're at BYU. And while I don't think BYU is that good. Still, it's a difficult road environment to go into. So you've got at BYU left on the schedule. You also have Texas at home and you've got at K-State. So uh, Farmageddon on the road, uh, it's a tough proposition for me personally to think they'll win. BYU on the road, definitely a chance, but still a difficult environment. I think Iowa State's got the better team, but you have to think this is the huge opportunity here, especially with Texas left at home too. Like They have chances, but this is kind of the one where you take advantage, right? This is the one where you put your foot down and you say, all right, we are a good team this year. We are contending. Like We have to be taken seriously in the Big 12 title race. And so I don't know what's going to happen in those last three weeks, but a chance to at least not just throw your hat in the ring, guys, but they're tied for the lead. And once again, after this weekend, because we have that Oklahoma Oklahoma State game, because we have that K-State-Texas game, there's going to be two teams that drop down out of that race. And so Iowa State, a very good a chance. It, when they win, they are tied for first place. They're still tied for first place, right, as the number of teams falls off. And they're going to have a chance at a couple teams in Texas and I, uh, K-State that, look, I don't like their chances in the games, but they're in the race too. So Iowa State still firmly in this thing and a huge opportunity here for Kansas. Jason Bean, once again, is the quarterback. You worry about the emotional letdown. You, you worry about the emotional uh, dump they had last week, right? You kind of left it all out there. And the big thing was physically – they looked like they belonged on the same field as Oklahoma. Oklahoma did not uh, run KU off the field in a physical way in which Texas did in the latter stages of that game. And so because of that, because of that, uh, I am I'm really leaning here, you know, uh, um, uh, towards Kansas in terms of like they can match physicality. The problem, though, is that Iowa State's defense is one of the most efficient in the conference. I think overall numbers outside of conference play, like just the entire season, Iowa State is uh, number one in efficiency, and I believe they're number three overall in just conference play. And look, that one Oklahoma game is going to hurt the numbers for them, but I still feel like you know that, that game was basically, what, a month ago now? So I feel like actually this is a much different Iowa State team. Yeah, 930. Uh, that was, that was a, uh, a game that happened late September. So I feel like, at this point, Iowa State is a better group than they were when they're much better group than they were when they played that game. Uh, and I think it's evident by the fact that that was their last loss, right? They beat TCU by two scores. They beat Cincinnati by three scores. They beat Baylor on the road by two scores. Like these aren't good teams, but they're beating them by multiple scores. And once again, this team's just improving, Iowa State is. So I think all like. Take the X's and O's and 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 you can break it down. And there's some good matchups here, obviously. And if you're Iowa State, like you want to be playing, you know, we want to see if you can run the football against a bad K-State rush defense and, and really give Rocco Beck some help because they have not been the most effective rushing team. And the passing game has come along for them, but maybe you can get the running game going and be balanced this week. That can work against Kansas. Uh, you know, these are playmaking secondary players that KU has. And so you got to be careful of the Kenny Logans of the world and the Jacoby Bryant's of the world. You have to be careful of those guys. And so uh, maybe they can kind of protect the football a bit more. This, these games usually, this game, at least last time, was really low scoring. 
Uh, so I'll take Iowa State. I'll lay the two and a half. Man, anything more than that, you're, you're getting dangerous because this thing feels like a low-scoring game. But the big reason why I did mention you know, hey, X to nose and whatnot, throw that out. I, I think it's a difficult spot because Iowa State gets the win against Baylor last week, but like they're a better team than Baylor is. Um, and I'm not saying Kansas isn't better than Oklahoma. They showed up in the field last week. But KU emptied the tank emotionally and had that amazing moment. And so how do they respond? I don't think Lance Leipold's going to be like, I don't think he's going to get shocked by anything. I don't, I don't think that they're not going to rebound, but this team's kind of having their moment. And Kansas football is not used to that, right? These guys aren't used to that. So no matter how well prepared they can be, still an awful uh, a place to be going to play in terms of like an awesome environment where they're coming for blood and they know that they can, you know, stay atop the Big 12 conference right now and get bowl eligibility in a year where, my God, that did not seem possible for Iowa State. So I think that is what I'm tracking. That is what I'm being mindful of right now when it comes to the Kansas and Iowa State matchup. Then finally, on Fox, I'm glad this game got the bump. That is BYU and West Virginia, right? BYU, uh, obviously, uh, you know, coming off that Texas loss, and then West Virginia uh, comes off that UCF win a chance for one of these teams to become bowl eligible, right? One of BYU or West Virginia will become bowl eligible. I've mentioned this before, though. BYU's road to bowl eligibility is much more difficult. Uh, you know, they have Iowa State next week, which is a good opportunity, but also at West Virginia, Oklahoma, and at Oklahoma State are what's left, right? West Virginia is a better roster, I think, but it's not a massive gap. And I think the same thing about Iowa State too, but I feel like Iowa State's just getting the just they've got the 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 wheels are turning right now. We'll see where they they look and, and how they are after this week. But BYU big opportunity against West Virginia because West Virginia's good, but they can be had and they they have played in some closer ish games. I will say this though, as their passing game has developed, they aren't like forced to play in close games every single time because it's not thirty carries to the backs and Garrett Green and throw it a little bit like they can throw the ball more. I know Garrett Green's passing numbers weren't amazing last week, but I actually like the way that he threw the football and he can move the sticks when he needs to with his legs and with his arm. And so I'm wondering like, okay, can, uh, you know, BYU is going to need to, I think, bow up in the red zone. They got a couple red zone stops, I believe last week against Texas. They need to do the same. They need to get some red zone stops um, against this West Virginia team. And, uh, you know, hold, make sure six is three. And they're going to need to hit some explosive plays. They're going to need to. Their offense is going to need to be better against West Virginia's defense. Um, their offense has had a really difficult time of it. They do not run the ball effectively. Keaton Slovis has been super inconsistent. The line has not blocked particularly well. This is an offense that does a lot better when it's put in advantageous situations. Um, and this is a difficult place to go and play. This is life in the Big 12. You played Texas last week. You now go on the road once again, and you are playing West Virginia uh, and a team that has just got a big win and is looking to get to bowl eligibility in a year where, once again, there were a lot of doubts about how good this team would be. So huge spot for both these teams. Glad it's on Fox. Tens a lot of points in a spot where I think BYU is be playing with a sense of not desperation, but like really, we you know, we got a, uh, you know, we're we're we got a good record, right? We have a good record for BYU. We want to kind of cash in on that. And they have not been able to, you know, cash in with a bowl game is what I mean. Um, and, you know, things will be challenging for them the rest of the way. It's not an easy schedule for them. 
Uh, I'll take the better quarterback in this game, Garrett Green. And also in matchups where it's old Big 12 school against new Big 12 school, like straight up, you're going to pick the old Big 12 school guys. It's just, it's been math this year. I mean, uh, UCF has not won a game in the conference. BYU has two wins in the league. One was against Cincinnati, who is terrible, who has no wins. Uh, and the other one was against a third string Texas Tech quarterback who turned the ball over five times, right? And the team turned the ball over five times. And they was still only beaten by 13 points. So like, they, you know, they, they need to start playing better. Like they need to take it to somebody. And I'm not sure they have the ability to do that. So I will take West Virginia in this spot. All right, folks, we will be back on Sunday for some instant reaction. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. I'm at Josh Neighbors underscore. That's where you get the Big 12 best bets coming out on Saturday mornings. All right, folks, we will talk to you on Sunday.